Welcome back to One Day Closer. We're talking about end times things, and we just talked about where the word rapture came from, which turns out to be a word in the Latin from a scripture verse in Thessalonians, and that's where we get the word rapture from. But I, I have another question. What about the word tribulation? Because when I was first looking into this again and really studying it, what I first found out was that the word tribulation was pretty much used in any kind of situation. For example, Jesus says, you will have tribulation in the world, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Well, yeah, I have troubles in the world. Tribulation is just troubles, right? Yeah. But in the Christian world, that word tribulation is such a trigger word. People have these terrible things in their mind that all come from revelation about how uh, what the tribulation is, and they think that's the only thing it is. But really, that's not true. Tribulation can be all kinds of trouble. I think they sum it up as the, the, the great tribulation, these things that happen in Revelation. But they want to think, since it's going to be really bad there, we're going to have it nice and easy until then, which I don't think you can find that in Scripture. Yeah, right. You also have to look at it on what scale they're talking about. Because, like, personally, the apostles, every one of them died a martyr, the 12 apostles. Like, mm-hmm. Peter, I think, was crucified upside down and filleted yes. alive. Oh, yes. So, if you're looking at it from his perspective, I think that would be considered a great tribulation. But yes. it wasn't the end times that he had to deal with, but yeah. it was his end. Yes. So, we can, we can go through hard times and it not be the end of the world, but it could be for us. I know uh, there's other places in the world right now that are going through terrible tribulation. Absolutely. If you're a Christian in some Muslim parts of the world, we could see people being thrown off roofs and killed and for their faith in Jesus. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul even talks about this in Second Timothy. He says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> yeah, that's what we get to look forward to. And right after that, it says, uh, but evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. I think we've been going through that, the whole world, through this whole COVID thing. A lot of us have been deceived by what the doctors were telling us. Even the doctors were being deceived by the doctors in the government. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be some great big conspiracy theory because it says they're being deceived themselves. So people, Mm -hmm. a lot of people, we just sometimes take these people and say, oh, they're evil because they're telling us to put on these masks or whatever. But they're not doing it because they're like part of the Illuminati or something necessarily. (laughs) But they could be doing it because they're deceived. They're They're, they're thinking that what they're doing is good and they're trying to help people out. Right. Well, and that's. That's why I think Jesus tells us to watch out for the hypocrites. Watch out for the ones who say one thing and do another. You know, they say put on a mask for us, but apparently it's not such a big deal because when they go out to dinner at the fancy restaurants, they're not wearing a mask. Which Even is, when they're not eating or drinking. And when you see people doing that, then you know they're, they're not deceived themselves. Those are the people you need to worry the most about, I would say. Yeah, and unfortunately, some of those have been the leaders that have been calling the shots about all this in the last couple of years. So that's why Jesus tells us to watch out, to beware, to be on your guard. He says that many, many times in many different scriptures, and we'll probably talk about more of that about that in uh, another episode. 
But uh, getting back to this uh, tribulation, you know, imagine how what a tribulation it was uh, for uh, World War II and the Jews and the um, tr- concentration camps. Uh, one of the people that got caught up in that was a gal named uh, Corey Tamboom, famous author. She was being asked to speak somewhere, and she said that there are some among us teaching that there will be no tribulation for those who believe that uh, we're going to be raptured. That's what she's talking about. You're going to be raptured out of the tribulation. She says that the Christians will be able to escape all this. These are the false teachers that Jesus was warning us about to expect in the latter days. Most of them have little knowledge of what is already going on across the world. I think that's especially true for Americans. We don't really understand what's going on around the world. She continues, I have been in countries where the saints are already suffering a terrible persecution. They are under tribulation. In China, the Christians were told by American Bible teachers, Don't worry. Before the tribulation comes, you will be raptured. Then came a terrible persecution. Millions of Christians were tortured to death. Later, I heard a bishop from China say, Sadly, we have failed. We should have made the people strong for persecution rather than telling them that Jesus would come first. Corey continues, tell the people how to be strong in persecution, how to stand when the tribulation comes, to stand and to not faint. Now, Corey lived a terrible persecution in Auschwitz, I think is which camp she was in, and she survived that. And she really feels like it's a mistake to tell people that you're going to be raptured out of all this trouble because you're not preparing your heart or even preparing your home and your family for a tribulation that might come. Use the example of uh, a hurricane, for example. What are you going to do? Are you just going to you know, sit on your couch watching football while the hurricane is storming? Or are you going to get ready for that hurricane because you can see it coming from a miles away? You got to board up your windows you got to maybe uh, turn off the uh, gas coming into your house so your house doesn't blow up. you got to maybe stock up some food and water because you might be stranded for a while. There's not going to be help coming. You're on your own. Are you going to get ready or are you not? That's the benefit, I think, of knowing or trying to get an understanding about whether or not we're going to have to go through a tribulation or not. It, I think it's fine to say... Let's hope for the rapture that we're going to be taken out of this. But if we're not, then maybe we should be getting prepared. Another thing to think is, as they were talking about in China, just because we're not seeing this in America, it's like the same hurricane. We're seeing the storm off the bridge. As we said earlier, they're throwing Christians off of roofs in the Middle East. They're um, throwing Christians in prison still to this day. A lot of people don't like saying this because we have it so well in America and people get upset. But if you want to know what the most persecuted religious group in the world today is, it's Christianity. Mm -hmm. They suffer more persecution today than ever in the world. So this is a reality. And Jesus said this too. He says, if they hated me, they're going to hate you because we're opposed to the world. We're standing contrary to the world when we're putting in the hope of Jesus, because it says the whole world is under the sway of Satan. And if that is a reality and is true, what's, what's our response to that supposed to be? I mean, as Christians, we're not supposed to run away from the world. We're not supposed to just run and build a little uh, 
cabin in the woods and stay away from everyone, but we're supposed to be the light and the salt to the world. Really? I want to go to the woods and just (laughs) build a cabin and be there alone. I do too, but (laughs) it'd be nice. But yeah, we're supposed to be reaching this world for his kingdom. We're supposed to be loving people. We're supposed to be showing them the light of Christ. And so they see the power of the gospel of how it changes our lives and how it could change their lives and reaching these people. Hmm. So doing that means we're going to be on the front lines when this whole thing's going on. And we're not in the front lines holding a gun, shooting down our enemies. That's not what we're called to do. That's not what the kingdom's about. Hmm. We're supposed to be loving and reaching for these people while they hate us. Well, unfortunately, there's quite a few people in this audience who are loading their guns right now. So you think maybe they should think twice about that, huh? Well, it depends. It depends on what you're planning on doing. I'm not against guns. I've got several of my own. Mm -hmm. But are you planning on shooting your neighbors when they're coming at you? or is this And they want some of your food? Yeah, I mean, is this the idea? Or is the idea to... You know, use these things to protect your family, protect your community. You know, probably a lot of hunters out there, but are using these to get food to provide and be there for people. And that's where the controversy is. Yeah, that is a big controversy because there are a lot of people, I think especially Americans, who are all about the individualism and defending yourself. And I've I've wrestled with that question a lot myself, honestly. I have too. You know? I've I've even started selling some of my guns because I th- I'm thinking that we're not called to that. In fact, in a lot of the scriptures about the end times, it basically says, Jesus tells us, pray that you can escape. He doesn't say, pray that you can defend yourself. He says, pray that you can escape. And I thought that was very interesting. It started to convict me a little bit. I don't know. But that is a, that is a big debate. There's even you know famous people like uh, Bonhoeffer who went back to Germany to actually uh, be a part of a conspiracy to kill Hitler, actively to destroy him. I Most people would say that was a righteous call. Well, I'll tell you, this is, this is a hard thing to struggle with. And I had a certain view of this, much more of the passive view before I had a family. Oh, there you go. But as soon as you have kids and a wife to defend, then what are we called to do? You know, it is something that we need to prayfully consider. We need to ask for wisdom, and we need to search the scriptures. What are we called to do when these things come? Yep, we do. And we're going to have all those answers, all of them, right after this break. Maybe you will. (laughs) Welcome back to One Day Closer. This is our... End Times edition, talking about, uh, you know, what's going on in the world? What are we to do? We just told you that we're going to have all the answers for the tribulations that's coming. We were kidding. We don't have any answers at all. But Jesus has some answers. Uh, here's, Here's a verse that Jesus was saying. It's in Matthew 5, 9. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, 
and in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We're just going to leave that for you folks to ponder. Um, The whole issue of uh, self-defense in the face of tyranny is a big topic, and we don't have the answers for that. But let the Lord speak to your heart and pursue that. Really, pursue it. God loves it when you try to find the answers from Him. So, that is that. And I would like to uh, talk about how my brain was rewired. Because in the beginning, I talked about how I was not raised. You got the Neuralink? Oh, the Neuralink. Maybe I should get one of those. (laughs) We're talking about rewiring your brain. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Elon Musk. We'll see how that goes. That's kind of scary. But I was talking about how I basically ignored anything to do with revelations and end times until recently. And one of the things that really rewired my brain is uh, a passage in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They call it the Olivet Discourse. I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. But it really rewired my brain because in the little teaching that I had about the end times, anytime I heard a pastor or a radio show or something talk about this, they always referred to the Olivet Discourse as something that was going to happen in the future. Because that's where Jesus is talking about all the troubles, the wars and rumors of wars, etc. Nation rising against nation, all this kind of thing. And that was always referred to as something that was going to happen in the future. But then, in my study, I found out that really most of that is about what happened in A.D. 70. And let me explain that to you. Jesus is in the temple. He's given the woes to the scribes and Pharisees. You know, woe to you, woe to you for this and that because you're a terrible people. And then he's leaving the house of worship, the synagogue. And in verse 23, 38, he says, Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. That was just a little bit of a warning that he gave the scribes and Pharisees. And then he leaves the, the temple. In chapter 24, this is the Olivet Discourse, it says, Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out that the temple buildings were beautiful. And he said to them, Do you not see all of these things? He says, Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. Now that is a startling thing. You have to imagine Jesus gives his little sermon at the temple, His disciples are all with him. They finish their business and they're walking away from the temple and the disciples look around. They turn around and they say, Jesus, look at that beautiful temple. It's big and gorgeous. It's one of the, you know, probably the ancient wonders of the world. It was such a a beautiful structure. And Jesus kind of scoffs and he just says, it's all going to come down. Not one stone will be left upon another. So keep that in mind. Okay, you got to Keep yourself in that picture of what's happening as we continue reading here. So they're leaving. Where are they leaving? Well, they set up camp up on the Mount of Olives, and so that's where they're going. And so in verse 3, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, because they're still bothered about what he said about the stones and everything. He says, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, this is a key thing because really it's it's two questions. When will these things happen? Meaning, when will the stones not be left one upon another? And when will be the end of the age? Those are kind of the two 
similar questions. And then you have a third question here is that when will be the sign of your coming? So you basically have two questions going on. Jesus is going to answer in the following verses, when will the temple be destroyed and when will be your coming? So keep that in mind as we read this because he's going to answer both those questions as we move forward. He says in verse 4, he answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. That's an interesting phrase right there. These things must take place. We're not going to get away from it. He says, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. So a lot of preachers, they were they were taught this in their seminary schools that and that's why we heard them at, from the pulpit in the churches, is that when these things start to happen, that those are going to be the beginning of birth pangs. And, and if that's a future event, then none of that's even happened yet. And so we're going to be a long time waiting for Jesus to come back. That was the conclusion that you would make. But really, what he's talking about is something that's going to happen just a few years from the time he's speaking. In A.D. 70, there's going to be Roman armies that surround Jerusalem and they destroy the temple. And that's when no stone is left upon another. They literally destroy it to the foundation. Yeah, a really interesting thing about that is they had gold on the inside of the pillars. Did you did you know about this? No. Yeah, so when the Roman soldiers came to get to the gold and the inside of the pillars, they literally had to take each stone apart. So, like, rather than just leaving a tower, it's like, why would they, if they're destroying a city, why would they, you know, take down the pillars of the the temple? But they wanted to get to the gold inside, so they literally took each stone out from each one to get to the inside of them. So they literally left no stone on top of another to when they tore it apart. Wow, very interesting. I didn't know that. That's fascinating. So there was more of a reason than just because they were mad at the Jews. Yeah, well, it was an actual fulfillment. You know, it's of not like, yeah, it's not yes. just like, oh, I'm mad at you. So we're going to, I mean, that's a lot of work to get you're mad. Like they could burn it to the ground or knock it over. But no, they actually carefully took each stone apart to get to get to it. So Jesus was right on on that fulfillment of it. Interesting. Very interesting. See, that's why we got you here, because uh, you got these details down. So he continues on. Um, Let me see how much of this do I really want to talk about here or read. Let's go to uh, verse 15. He says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, that's that scary word, the abomination of desolation. What does that mean? When you see that which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Now there, that abomination of desolation, that word probably is the biggest reason why we Christians have this horrific scene in our mind about the tribulation, because it sounds so terrible. But really... When you go to the Luke version of this, Luke's audience is a little different, and so he explains it a little bit more. Matthew, he's talking to the Jewish people, and the Jewish people understand what Daniel is and what the abomination desolation is that that Daniel wrote about. 
But when Luke, he's talking to the Jewish people who are more secular. They're, they're not really educated. They don't read very well. So he explains it a little bit more. And he says to them, the desolation is when the Romans' armies surround Jerusalem. And that's what happened in A.D. 70 when they destroyed the temple. So this abomination of desolation is really just a reference to when the armies of Rome are surrounding Jerusalem, according to Luke 21. So that is the uh, the start of why a lot of these verses in the Olivet Discourse are really about what happened in 70 AD. And if you read that with that in mind, you're going to have your eyes opened up to what really happened then versus what happens in the future. Now, like I said in the beginning, there was two questions that Jesus was answering. When will the temple be destroyed and when will be the second coming? So there are verses in this Olivet Discourse that talk about the second coming of Christ too. One of those uh, is in 24 verse 30. It says, And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. So that's definitely talking about a second coming event. So in that whole Olivet Discourse, Jesus is answering both of those two questions, and you have to kind of look through it and see. When is he talking about the end of uh, the temple in AD 70? And when is he talking about the sign of his coming at the end? So with that, hang on for a couple minutes, and we'll talk about just what those signs are that Jesus told us to look out for. It's what you find out for yourself and not what you're fed. It's what you feel down in your heart and not put in your way. Every day I pour myself into you. 